This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 219, Wisdom and Inspiration on Dance at the World Choreography Awards. Hello there and welcome to session number 219 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. My name is Annette Bone and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus. The lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I'm excited to share these wonderful conversations I had with amazing choreographers at the World Choreography Awards that I got to go to a couple weeks ago in Los Angeles. It was my first time attending. It all came together last minute. I have to give a shout out to Alan Walls and Cheryl Baxter-Ratliff, who are the producers of this fantastic event, as well as Melinda Manos from Manos PR, who I was dealing with one-on-one for media coverage on this event. So thank you so much. This event was hosted and written by both Alan Walls and Carmeet Bahar from Pussycat Dolls, which I have to say, I did not know much about the Pussycat Dolls because it was during that time where I gave up music completely as well as dance. So I just learned about them last couple of years. And actually, I was in conversation with one of the other media people. So I didn't really get to listen to Carmeet with her hosting duties. So <laughs> I'm sure she did amazing. But I was in deep conversation with some of the other people in the media I didn't get a chance to talk to Carmeet, although I would have loved to because I know that she's been focused a lot on mental health these past couple years. And she also created another business called the Grace and Gratitude Box. So I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. But I thought how wonderful it is that she worked through her own issues and then has created something that will help others. There were a couple of people that I knew if I get a chance to talk to them, I definitely want to talk to them. So I do have some of them here. And also I have to give a shout out to one of my past guests from 2016, Christian Vincent, who is a nominee for his work. I was so excited to find out that he was going to be in attendance because the PR information that I got showed me who was confirming to be in attendance. And I saw his name and I thought, oh my goodness, I get to see him. And he was session number 87. And I will link that in the show notes. The World Choreography Awards is an annual live show that celebrates creativity and innovation by recognizing excellence in the art of media choreography. And it takes place once a year in the LA area. It starts off with a red carpet event welcoming guests, celebrities, industry dancers, choreographers, and directors, and you just don't know who's going to show up. For example, Brian Austin Green came, and it was interesting because one of the media that was there covering the event turned out to be one of his childhood friends. So it it was just really cool that that reunion came together. I know they were both so excited to see each other. I did not get a chance to talk to him. I got a little bit of video on him, but I might share that in Instagram stories or maybe in the show notes. We'll see. But anyway, he seemed like a really cool, laid back person and just really enjoying the atmosphere. I really wasn't sure how I was going to take the event because of the whole COVID thing. There were definitely parameters in place for attendance. They limited the number of attendees, but the venue was very accommodating and uh, it just, it was a wonderful experience overall. So, 
Here we go with session number 219, these wonderful conversations I get to share with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. One of the guidelines that was given to press and media at the World Choreography Awards is to keep the conversation short by limiting the questions to one or two at the most. Well, that did not always happen, but I tried to adhere to that in the very beginning because I wanted to do my part to keep the line going on the red carpet. And I didn't know who was going to show up and who would be talking to who, etc. I would say there was maybe, oh my goodness, maybe less than 10 of us, which was interesting. I, I, and also, I think because they had to limit the number of attendees at the venue, which is totally fine. There was a lot of room and there was um, it, it was pretty seamless still for the most part. So I really appreciated that. But anyway, um, my first conversation, I, you know, in retrospect, I wish it was longer and I wish I would have asked more than two questions. But again, I, I wanted to uh, play by the rules. But I got to talk to the beautiful amazing Katie Tate, who is a creative producer, choreographer, and master teacher. She was also a nominee and the winner of winner for her work that I'll link in the show notes. And besides her extensive resume as a choreographer, master teacher, creative producer, what struck me is her work with her company, Human Movement, which is about growth of emotional intelligence and mental toughness in the next generation of industry professionals. And I thought that was really interesting to find that out, as well as the focus on mental health with some of the other nominees. And there there were a couple, I have to say, that I, I did not get a chance to talk to for whatever reason. Either they didn't show up or they weren't in that part of the line and were already talking to some of the other media. But here is my short, but I wish it was longer conversation with Katie Tate. Hi, Katie. Hi. Congratulations on being nominated. Thank you so much. You know what really stood out to me actually is uh, the commonality of some of these nominees with the focus on mental health. And you have a company that focuses on that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Actually, that's so great. Thank you for mentioning that. I have a speaking series that I do on convention when I teach. It's called Human Movement. and We focus on emotional intelligence and mental toughness and dancers because it's a, it's a tough industry. But um, it's probably the most rewarding thing that I get to do is being able to speak on these topics with young dancers. It's so much needed and you are actually more beautiful in person than I saw you on the videos. You're so sweet. Thank so you. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I used to watch Kent Boyd on So You Think You Can Dance when I was not dancing. All the stuff that I used to keep up with when I wasn't dancing myself. <laughs> so it was really a treat to get to meet him in person and ask him about what his current projects are. He was amazing during So You Think You Can Dance. And from that, he went on to movies and more choreography and then also being a founder of Pride House LA. And they've done a lot through Instagram and TikTok. And I'll link his information as well in the show notes. But I love loved what he talked about with consistency and mentoring the youth and art in general and content creation and that kind of thing. He had such a wonderful, warm energy, and I'm so happy that I got to talk to him. So here is my quick conversation with the awesome Kent Boyd. Pastor, I'm with the Dance Printering Studio. Can I talk to Kent? Hi, Kent, right? Kent, yes. I'm here in House LA. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that. I was also going to ask you, you, do you still dance with Entity? I do. I still dance with Entity. I'm still, we have a class tomorrow at Stomping Grounds. Yeah. Oh, okay. For life. 
Okay, yeah, because I uh, when I, I I remember yeah I remember you on so you think you can dance, but then I kind of like stopped watching that, and then I saw you on oh my gosh he's dancing with Entity oh my gosh it's Pride House LA. So what's inspiring you these days with everything going on? Well, I think since COVID, I think it just kind of flipped everything up on its side of its head, especially for us who are always touring and going out, like it forced us to stay in. So then it made me look at social media, which was something that I think a lot of professional dancers turned their nose to. And I think it kind of made me have to kind of let go of my eagle and fully submit to this place where we do have a, a ultimate control. And so we turned to social media, especially TikTok with my friend Molly Gray and her husband Jekka. We created a queer space on TikTok for all LGBTQIA plus youth or adults or whatever it may be. And we just tried to give as much content and as much energy online as we would our professional gigs out in the real world. So now that it's kind of we're opening back up to the real world, we can go on to those tour jobs. But Pride House is here to stay. We're excited. We've got a podcast. We've got merch. We've got some new things coming out. Just It's just always fun to see. And then also, we're going to be collaborating more with Jojo Siwa. So I think that's going to be really fun to kind of continue to, you know, that's how we got our start was kind of accidentally outing her and kind of helping her step into her new self. So I'm excited for the future as well. That's really exciting. And, and watching you from So You Think and Dance and how you've evolved as an artist and just the way that you know that you show up and your energy, I think it's really not only attractive to dancers that want to do what you do, but also just artists in general. So what 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 has helped you grow the most in these last couple of years? Oh, man, well, it's always my mentors or the people that I look up to, like, like we were just talking about Entity. It's about surrounding yourself with people that have the same drive and the same dedication because it's all about consistency. It's like, even though it is an art form and it's subjective, it's, it's the practice, it's, this, it's the athlete, it's the sport, it's the repetition that keeps me driving and keeps me going because, you know, at the end of the day, like, you can always... You can always strive for more or different or play with. I mean, that's what's so fun about art is that it never really gets old. But that's also, you know, keeping up with the Joneses is so hard. It's so hard. It's so daunting. But I think that's what keeps me going. And then the youth and everything that they're pushing out and the idea of just all this content and being saturated with dance. I want all these amazing platforms. I want it to be filled with our community. I want our community to get that recognition. And I want dance to stay in the forefront of people's minds because it makes the world a better place. It does. And thank you so much for all the work that you do for stopping to talk. Where can people find you the best place that you want people to find you? You can find me on Instagram at Kent underscore Boyd. And then on TikTok, it's just Kent Boyd underscore. And also check out Pride House LA. You can just find that on TikTok and Instagram. Our YouTube channel is Pride House LA. You can check me out on YouTube at Kent Boyd TV. You know those people who walk into a room and it just lights up? That is Chloe Arnold a dancer and Emmy-nominated choreographer, actress, director, and producer, amazing, and nominee at the World Choreography Awards for her work with Syncopated Ladies. I'm excited to link her information in the show notes as well. And it was such a pleasure to talk to her about this video, which, oh my goodness, this video, which you have to watch it. It's happy, it's joyful, it's colorful. And who would have thought what you can do with tap and where you can do it? It is, it, it was such a treat for me to watch it and no surprise that it got nominated for one of the choreography awards. So here is my delightful conversation with the super talented Chloe Arnold. Here with the amazing Chloe Arnold, who is a nominee tonight. Oh my gosh, for her video with um, Syncopated Ladies for t with uh, the music from Tia Savage, right? Oh my gosh, the colors. Who would have thought Tap on a Beach 
And like right when I watched it, like right the first second, I'm like, I'm so happy. Oh my gosh. So what inspired that? Well, it was an amazing collaboration with CLI Studios and it was in the depth of the pandemic where honestly we were just, just getting out of lockdown, like just. And I thought, where is my happy place? My happy place is the beach. What makes me happy? Colors. What kind of music makes me feel free? Afro beats. So it was like such a memorable moment in history in our lives because it was the first kind of expressions of freedom from such a tough time with the pandemic. And it was beautiful that CLI um, commissioned that work in conjunction with Motown. And I think it's so important to get tap dance into the realm of music and to do these types of collaborations. So it's really rewarding. What's been inspiring you lately? That I mean, that in itself was like, that could have taken me. I watched it over and over again. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just amazing. You're amazing. Thank you for, you know, um, watching and being so engaged. So I just choreographed a big feature film, um, and it's coming out in November 2022. So that's going to be really exciting. There's lots of amazing dancing, including lots of amazing tap and the syncopated ladies. So it's going to be a life-changing moment for us next year to get tap dance onto the silver screen again. And I I think people are really going to feel it. Are you allowed to tell us what the title is? Not yet, but it is starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds and Octavia Spencer. So then you guys can just put it together. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for stopping and and sharing. And I just wanted to tell you congratulations and just amazing work always. I did. Oh, but there was one thing I heard you mention about a tour. Yes. So we're going on tour February 2022. The Syncopated Ladies is our first huge national tour. Please come through syncladies.com. S-Y-N-C-Ladies.com. Thank you so much, Chloe. I'm a huge fan of Indian classical dance and all things that come from that wonderful country. So what a treat it was for me to run into Joya Kazi, an amazing dancer, choreographer, entertainer with this extensive educational resume as well as entertainment resume and one of the nicest, sweetest people that I got to talk to. And her work was nominated for an award at the World Choreography Awards. So I'm really happy that I was there to see all that and to see her as a performer. It's so beautiful. I'll link the video in the show notes as well. But it turned out was such a, a neat thing to talk about commonalities within our paths because the first time that I saw her, actually, she reminded me and I, I had co- forgotten was when I was interviewing Leela Dance Collective a couple years ago pre-COVID and then uh, I got to I got to watch the class and that was so awesome to oh just to see all that and then I saw this performance that I absolutely loved a couple months ago through Blue 13 Dance Company called Shadi and Joya was one of the main dancers she played the bride and so oh my goodness I was so excited to find that out and I thought wait I was there you were there and 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 just you know she reminded me of that and and then uh, the common commonalities of the people that we know. It was just such a wonderful conversation. And and again, just giving honor to the roots of Indian classical dance and um, Bollywood and those just being, you know, one, two of many different forms from India. So to get history on that as well, I think is really important. And 
and to and it doesn't matter what country it's from. I just feel just speaking in general that it's really important to honor history of where dance comes from, the roots of certain dance forms. And so it was really neat to run into Joya and I'm excited to share our conversation. I had to talk to you because I looked you up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to her. It's so good to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. My name is Annette, and I have a dance podcast. And I was so impressed because of your work, just like combining everything with classical Indian dance. I'm like, because I'm really fascinated with that the fact that there's more than one type of classical Indian dance. And on my podcast, I've um, interviewed people from different dance companies that are just totally exemplifying like really what Indian dance is about and it's like so misrepresented you know and I loved how you talk about that so are you I know you're excited to be here you look beautiful and so what I mean like what's inspiring you these days yeah you know absolutely so first of all you know I was born in Bombay I moved to the Bay Area grew up there and you know like so many immigrant children I was always balancing being an Indian that those values the American lifestyle and there wasn't much exposure to Indian classical dance so the first time that I ever saw an Indian classical dancer was in Michael Jackson's Black or White video. <laughs> and that that's actually how I jump-started my, my journey in dance. And I started learning Odyssey. And um, I grew up as an Indian classical dancer. So I studied Odyssey, Kathak, Bharatanatyam, Kuchipudi. And when I, you know, when I finally went to school, I realized that there's not much exposure and the world just hasn't had a chance yet to understand these very rich art forms which are thousands of years old. I mean, these art forms have been passed generation to generation from gurus to their disciples, and they're still living today. And I feel like right now what's happening is we have been able, I mean, first of all, the only reason why I can be here is because there are choreographers that stepped into Hollywood and did the hard work of having to tell people to give them a chance. So, you know, I, first of all, the only reason I'm here is because of them. But I think that now the next step is to really show the West how intricate and beautiful and how much technique and theory and uh, rich vocabulary there is in our dances. So that's really what I try to do. Uh, I really try to bring commercial and classical dance together. Granted, we can't make everyone happy. I know that I'm sure some of my teachers are sometimes rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, I may be out and about and, you know, in the industry, they'll be like, oh, I don't know if this is going to read well, you know. But it's all about really trying to represent the culture in the best light and just keep furthering that art form. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, I, I interviewed um, Achinta from Blue 13 Dance Company and um, a couple of the dancers from Leela Dance Collective. I'm like, I gotta ask her if she knows them. Of course, our dance community is very, very small. Um, I absolutely love Ajinta. Ajinta was the very first choreographer that I actually auditioned for maybe 14, 15 years ago. And I just did Shadi with her. You were in Shadi? I was there. I was the bride. You were the, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So yeah, so obviously, you know, 14, 15 years later, still working with the Chinta, and I know Leela very well. So Rina Mehta has been very, very kind in training me the last couple years. And, you know, I grew up with many different dance teachers. And in LA, one of the ways for me to really balance the craziness of the entertainment industry is just going back to my quiet place in class and just like getting my butt kicked. So, uh, you know, Rina Didi was one of those people who made sure that, you know, she put me in my place and got me to do the basics, the footwork and all of that. And I think all these people, you know, Achinta and Leela are opposite sides of the spectrum. 
And even what I do, even though I have a Bollywood entertainment agency, what I do is still very different from them. And I think that's what's so important. I feel like now it's it seems as if there's very few opportunities for the South Asian for South Asian people, but that's not true. There are plenty of opportunities. There's so much variety in our artwork, and there are so many voices that need to be heard. And I feel like all these people, all these artists, really deserve an opportunity to be able to talk about their artwork and create work to fulfill all of us. It has been so wonderful talking to you. I'm so glad I got to meet you, and I think it was so timely. I'm like, I have to talk to her because I know, uh, hopefully she knows. I'm sure she has some kind of, but just, I, you know, I just feel like classical, Indian dance, Just it's just, there's such a richness, like you said. There's such, it's not one thing. Yeah, there's so, I mean, they're, they're completely different dance languages, all from the same country with so many different influences. I mean, think taking ballet and then multiplying that by nine, you know, and each one has its own types of bowls and rhythms and music. And, you know, it's, it's just so beautiful. And tonight when I perform, I hope, you know, um, I can do a little bit of justice of introducing everyone to a little more uh, classic, classical work and uh, still enjoying that Bollywood feel. Thank you so much, Shoya. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was lovely meeting you. Thank you. It was lovely meeting you. Thank you so much. Remember earlier in the episode when I talked about that person that walks into the room and it just lights up, and that was Chloe Arnold? I have someone else for you that did the exact same thing at the World Choreography Awards. And that person was Christian Vincent, educator, choreographer, dancer, actor, amazing. And he was number 87, episode 87, on how to have longevity in your dance career on my podcast. So when I saw that he was a nominee for his work on Self Made on Netflix, check it out, and that he was going to be in attendance, I was so excited. I thought, oh, I hope I get a chance to talk to him, even if it's just for a few moments. And I did. And I'm so thankful. So I'm excited, as with all of this, to share with you my conversation with Christian and I just love how he talked about creating art and how happy how happy he was to be in attendance at this event that so honors choreography and how much we still need to bring light to the hard work that dancers and choreographers do. So I'm excited to share this conversation that I had with Christian, my guest on episode 87. Who would have thought back then that that I'm so glad I have that to reference. And it really was a it, it was a fantastic conversation. So I recommend that you go listen to it, get a little bit more context, but go check out his work. He is incredible. So here is my conversation with Christian Vincent. Okay, so I'm like excited beside myself because my guest from 2016 on my podcast is here as a nominee for his work on TV, Christian Vincent. Oh my gosh. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you again. Oh my gosh. I, 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 it's just like surreal. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm living a dream being here, being around people that are so talented and just really, you know, dedicated to their craft. And I know you've been such a voice for diversity in arts and entertainment, and you've had such an illustrious career and just teaching, choreographing, being on TV, doing your live shows and everything. What's been inspiring you through all of this? I mean, there's been so much going on pre-COVID, during COVID, since 2016. You want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a big one. As far as inspiration, um, I it makes me think about. There's still that that child that we all had when we started dancing that had these these dreams, these dance dreams. Over time, they have evolved, but I think it's being um, just being a creator and wanting to create 
and create things that are beautiful and intelligent and that inspire and that move and, and, and bring joy. So I think being, if you're a creator, you want to continue to create. And I love the idiom of film and TV. Does this kind of stuff get old to you, these award shows and these, like, you know, this kind of notoriety, kind of big exposure? What, what do you think about all of this? I think it's much needed because I think dancers and choreographers are underrated in the industry. If you go to IMDb, we're under miscellaneous crew as far as choreographers. There are still many award shows that don't recognize choreographers. So I think having a show like this is very important because if we don't speak for ourselves and uplift ourselves, then who will, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what is next on the horizon? Well, it's been, you know, I've been fortunate during COVID. I, I, um, I just had a movie premiere um, last week, which was a Christmas um, dance reunion with Corbin Blue and Monique Coleman. I just finished, actually, a few days ago, um, doing the post-production for a TV show, uh, which is called The Porters, which uh, is set in 1920s. It's an unheard of pro- project because it deals with black life during the 20s, and it's a series on BET and also CBC, and it's about Canadian black life, which I've there has not been a show about that. So um, I feel very proud, and the work that I did on that show, is, I think, is some of my best, so it that will be in uh, February 2022. Oh, the convention. I, yeah, I was just I was just about to ask like when it's coming out, and you already told me it was when it's coming out February 2022. So, so self made. I didn't, you know, I personally could not find anything on self made. It's on Netflix. Uh, self made. Uh, it's the Madam C J Walker story, which was Madam C J Walker was the first self made African American woman in the United States, and it's about her life. You can find it on Netflix. Just go on Netflix, look up Self Made, starring Octavia Spencer, Tiffany Haddish. The dance scenes were short, sweet. I was very grateful to work on it. It's one of the projects, I would say, especially after getting my master's, I think a lot of people um, in my industry have poo-pooed getting education. But I'm going to tell you, because of my education, it's the reason I've been getting the jobs that I've been getting recently, because I have had to write essays for some of the jobs I've been getting so that they knew I knew enough about the time period and the movement of that era. So, um, yeah, that's that. <laughs> was it self-made or the upcoming project where you got some input from one of your colleagues, Monsell Durden? Monsell, and I'm always going to give props to Monsell. Monsell is an invaluable resource. He is a dance historian and um, he's utilized a lot by people in the industry, but not given a lot of credit. So whenever I can, I will. And he is a resource for me to check accuracy historically. Yes, he's great. I met him at a, um, a funk convention of all places, and I did not know who he was. And then um, I, I got to know him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he knows so much. Yes, he does. He's a great man, full of knowledge. And the sad thing is a lot of, um, especially... Black dance is passed on through stories and it's not recorded through video. So there's a select few of individuals who have the real information because when you, when you Google the Charleston or when you Google the Black Bottom, what you see online is not necessarily how it originated and the true form. 
And Monsell is an individual who is a great, has been a great resource in trying to navigate and finding the truth. Yes, yes. I'm, I definitely discovered that and just his, in, his influence throughout, just, it's just crazy. But um, where do you want people to look for you if they want to find out more about you? You can go to Instagram, christian.jd.vincent, or you can go to my Facebook, Christian Vincent official fan page. Yeah, that's the easiest. Or Twitter, Christian. Uh, what is my Twitter? Oh, my God. Uh, C-J-D-E-V-I. D-E-V-I. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's such a treat to run into you after all these years. 2016. I'm going to link it in the show notes. This episode, when I first started the podcast back in 2015, is just crazy how it comes circle, full circle. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's good seeing you. When you meet Salima E. Knight, you immediately feel her warm, vibrant energy. And I'm so thankful that I got to talk to her at the World Choreography Awards. Wow, what a background in education, in dance, in choreography, in commercial dance, in concert dance. She has done it all and continues to do it all. I loved our conversation, got a lot of insight on the roots of Dunham and Jack Cole and Bob Fosse, things that I have things that I had learned in the past, but it was so great to be reminded of these really important moments in history of where dance came from, specifically jazz dance. And so Salima graciously shared her time talking about this stuff. And I'm so glad I I captured this. So listen to this short conversation, but definitely check out her information. I'll also link it in the show notes, but amazing. Thank you so much, Salima. I overheard a little bit about that you're a choreographer, performer, and a little bit about Bob Fosse. What were you telling? What were you telling her about that? I was actually telling her about Bob Fosse and how he is the disciple of Catherine Dunham. A lot of people don't realize that Catherine Dunham is the godmother of dance in the United States. She did a lot for jazz dance in terms of bringing black dance practices over from Haiti. She's our original dance anthropologist, and so uh, Bob Fosse, Jack Cole, a lot of these people really studied her technique. Jack Cole also looked at um, East Indian forms to create the jazz dancing that he created, but we have to really start with Dunham because she did a lot of the research that created a lot of the forms that we still give a lot of credit to today. Yes. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. It's funny that this this is uh, brought up because a friend of mine, she focuses completely on Dunham technique. And people just don't realize, like, how influential and how, how much she did. Like, it just, it's amazing to me still, like, the people that don't get credit where credit is due, you know? Absolutely. And that's how you end up appropriating dance forms. It's so important to give credit where credit is due. I wrote a blog for CLI Studios that came out in July just about that very thing, the foundations of American jazz dance and correcting the movement history. So really going back to look at Latin diaspora dances, black dance practices, Africanist aesthetics, and who are the dancers that were bringing that stuff into popular spaces. If we look at the Harlem Renaissance, 1920s through the 1940s, we have the Harlem Congaroo crew, and within them we've got Norma Miller, Billy Rickard, George Snowden, um, and then you also have Pepsi Bethel, right? All these people who are bringing a lot to the table that don't get talked about. We have to go before the Bob Fosse, before the Jack Cole. These were the dancers that were really doing the jazz dancing. So with all of that, that's obviously really, really important for you as a choreographer, as a performer, as an artist. Who else inspires you? What else is inspiring you these days? Well, my goodness. You know, my career actually started in concert dance. So someone that I've always uh, looked up to and who kind of gave me my first big break is Donald Byrd. He's a huge concert dance choreographer. I was in the world premiere of the Harlem Nutcracker when I was 12 years old. I was a protege of his. And we're all, if you go to CBS, the actual network, there's a video, um, 
paying homage to the performance because it was huge. It was the first time you really saw dancers of color doing a world premiere of a Nutcracker. I was maybe 12 years old then, and I didn't realize what I was a part of, but that really set my career afire. And then from the commercial side of it, I mean, we all love a good Paul Abdul. Janet Jackson was a huge inspiration for me. Um, some of the choreographers that are currently working now, I think Brian Friedman is incredible, Tice Diorio. A lot of them I see, I, I'm one of the guest judges at Radix, so it's really interesting now to like kind of work with them in the professional spaces, but I have a lot of respect for the work they've done and what they're doing. Wow, that's a that's a wide variety of people, but I'm you know, I think it's really interesting that you have so many different influences that are informing your work. So how with all of this, you know, being around people that have this notoriety and like you yourself, how do you stay grounded? I think the thing that keeps me grounded is the youth because one of the things that's really important with us as choreographers, I remember being them and it felt like getting to that next level, people were untouchable. And the one thing that I've really prided myself and hope to be in my career is accessible to the next generation. So they feel like they can ask me questions. I can help guide them. Also in particular for women going into the commercial world, how do I do this thing without having to overly exploit myself as an artist, sexuality, all those things that come into play. And then just in general, um, a lot of my students want to be intellectuals and things like that because I teach at the USC Gloria Kaufman School of Dance. So I try to be an example of how getting your degrees can help you have a very long journey in dance. It can grow you in so many ways. You can be a dance writer. You can do things like this and be able to speak articula articulately because you'll have done the work and research about your craft. So those are the things that keep me going. And every time I feel like I'm getting exhausted, I just have to remember you have to stay curious and successful people, I was always told, do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it, right? So you have to get up every morning and say, there's someone who I'm doing this for. I absolutely have to do this right now. And my students are the ones that give me that motivation. Oh, my gosh. I could just tell that they probably love you. Like, I noticed when you walked in, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she has such a vibrant energy. I have to talk to her. So where can we find you so we can find out more about your work and, you know, upcoming projects and things like that? Definitely. You can find me on Instagram at Salima E. Knight and also my website, SalimaEnight.com. What a treat to meet the lovely Marika from Kika Custom Design. She is a fashion designer, a costume designer for dancers. And I loved hearing her process on how she approaches designing for these big name shows. And I looked at some of her stuff. Wow, amazing. So I'm going to link her information in the show notes as well. But here is our conversation at the World Choreography Awards. So you're a designer. Okay, tell me your name. Yeah. So my name is Marika. Marika, that's a beautiful name. Do you d design for dancers or for entertainers? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I am a, both a fashion and costume designer. And so I do a lot for the dance community when it comes to costuming and, and costume, I mean, dance costumes. What inspires you? Does, is it the artist that inspires you or is it the music? Is it the context of what the project is? What would you say about that? That's actually a good question. So, for example, if a production comes to me with a, for a rock opera, they, you sit down and you basically go over the script. What is the rock opera about? What is the different characters? And uh, the producers usually have a quite, or the director have a good idea to what it is. Sometimes we get artistical freedom to create, which is fun. I have had that uh, happen. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of, we have to follow something, you know. Where the artists come and say, I'm thinking this, da, 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 da. Can this be done, Marika? And then it is my job to say, absolutely, or no, we have to maybe change it a little bit. 
What do you think has been the most common um, hurdle that you've had to overcome in communicating how, you know, how you're going to design and like your, you know, your ideas are the best way so that you can get your job done efficiently? You know, one thing that I wanted to bring up is particularly tour costumes. You know, the artists would come and they go, well, we have this and this and that in mind. But you have to make, you have, we call it building the costume. We have to build it so durable that it's going to withhold every single performance. And we have to make many of them sometimes. And one thing sometimes they don't understand is that, listen, you're going to sweat in it and perform. It's going to be trash after that. So we have to kind of, we have certain limitations. How long have you been designing? Was it, did you always want to be a designer? Yes, long time. I'm from the Stone Age. You don't look like you're from the Stone Age. <laughs> you know, Flintstones and my posse. <laughs> Thank you so much for stopping by. So where can people find you if they want to look at what you've done? All right. So I'm on uh, Instagram under Kika Custom Design. So you can uh, find me on uh, just Kika Custom as well. Spelled K-I-C-K-A. Last but certainly not least, this is one conversation that in attending the event, I hoped I would have, and I did. And I wish it was longer because I loved the insights that he shared. I love talking about where his choreography process comes from, how mindful he is of movement, and the importance of mentorship, to name a few things that he touched upon in this conversation. So if you look up Christopher Scott, So You Think You Can Dance, In the Heights, and many, many other credits too extensive to go on in this short intro. You will see all the cool things that he's done being nominated for Emmys. But I think besides all that, those are all serendipities. And he was so generous with his time and his insights. And I really appreciated that about our conversation. So I'm excited that I got to talk to him. And here is our conversation at the World Choreography Awards. I'm here with Chris Scott. Uh, I don't need to say anything about him. You just have to look him up and all the wonderful things he's done. Oh, my gosh. I I really was um, resonating with one of your interviews about In the Heights and how you said that music dictated the movement and how you needed to stay authentic to the forms that you were presenting. I really resonated with that. Do you think that um, choreographers mostly think about that? Or do you think that's just, you know, that comes... That's not important to all choreographers. You know, I'm not sure. I feel like everybody has their own process. You know, I just know for me, like, that was... Uh, one of my mentors was Swoop from back in the day. And I will never forget being at his house as a little kid. And we were like... I was just a dancer in this piece that he was doing. Sorry, not just a dancer. I was a dancer in one of his pieces. And I remember him choreographing and He just listened to the song over and over and over on loop. And we were just, like, hanging out, playing video games, talking. But the song kept playing. And I think that's where it really clicked with me. It was like, oh, that's, from, you know, through my mentor, it was like, oh, you should, you got to know the music like the back of your hands for me. Like it kind of worked for me and I kind of absorbed it just by hanging out with these, um, you know, brilliant choreographers. There was a whole bunch of them, like Swoop, Alfie, Brother, Roro, Ed Moore. I was like really lucky to be in this group of people that that was kind of their process. You know, those guys, they embody the music. They like, they don't choreograph the steps. And then, and then manipulate it to the song. They'll get through a step and then rewind it and then make up another, like, it's just how they were, you know? So that's kind of what I took from, from those, those brilliant guys. 
Well, I feel in watching your career, it's just evolved so much artistically. And I think it seems like a lot of that also has to do with uh, the mentorship that you have with John Chu. Do you want to talk just a little bit about that? Oh, 100%. You know, John, when, when we started, you know, it started off with a battle against Miley Cyrus on YouTube. And who knew it was going to develop into this kind of crazy world that we get to, to create together with. And, you know, like he's, I really consider him like a dancer's best friend. He really is. He just cares so much for the craft, for the art. So me being a, you know, it, it, it could have been a different kind of mentorship, you know, just somebody that was like really dives deep into the film side of everything. And that's it. Um, but, you know, not only did he teach me that, he taught me like, I feel like I got a free USC film school education. Don't tell them. So they come sending me a bill. But, you know, I also got like a, a, a master class and how to treat people, you know, which is a big deal because when you, that's why people are so down for him. And to how to take care of an art form, how to take care of storytelling, like like how to treat your story with um, respect and let let the story speak to you, you know, because it's there. He would always tell me, you know, it's all there in the script. You just got to let the script speak to you, you know. And, and that's another thing I've grabbed on to and 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 use it as as my process, um, you know. Him and and I can't not mention Jamal Sims as well. You know, I met John and Jamal together. And Jamal was another one that just changed my life. And talk about treating people right. You know, I mean, that man, nobody does it better than that man on, on how you treat people on a set, how you take care of the human beings that are riding with you on this, this journey. You know, and then not to mention just this kind of, you know, with John and Jamal, what I learned was the process of just throwing around ideas. Nobody throws ideas around better than those two guys. And it's amazing. And I feel very lucky to be like kind of in this, this little, trio of them to be able to and more you know there's there's a group of us and we just we do we throw walls against the idea we throw ideas against the wall and we see what sticks well i remember that scene the water scene from in the heights and you're like we're just gonna see if it works and these dancers are you know we were thank god that they trusted us to just experiment and to play and so that just looked like such an amazing fun pro- i mean it looked very extensive oh yeah it was crazy it was crazy i was at that point i think the, the, the thing that we're really lucky for now is, you know, the idea of the pool, once it was like determined and John was like, we're doing it because it was massive. Everybody, you know, our producers, everybody's kind of like, are we really doing this? But I knew John was doing like I knew he was. And, you know, the beautiful thing about our relationship now is like we knew we were going to figure out a way to make it work. You know, we're going to do whatever we had to do because now we've done it so much. We've been through it. You know, all the all the obstacles, all the things that have happened you know, led us to this moment and this movie, it was too important to us to let it, you know, to kind of cross our fingers. Like we knew, we knew at this point that pull was going to, going to mean something to the number and not just be like a, a fancy element. Like it, it had a lot of depth to it. Uh, no pun intended. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah. It's interesting because I just really resonated with how you talked about how important it was to stay authentic and true, not only to the dance form, but, why are we doing this movement? I remember you saying in the interview, you're like, well, it doesn't make sense if we're going to put it here. So we're not going to do it. No, absolutely. I mean, it was really one, one of the biggest moments we were on that movie, you know, working like, like build, was building that team. You know, because I had Emilio Dosal, who's like a sponge in the street dance styles. And, he, and, and he'll, he'll jump in a contemporary class. He'll jump in a ballet class. Like he's just that kind of sponge. And then Ebony Williams with the extensive knowledge of just all kinds of styles from ballet you know, like hardcore ballet, contemporary to, um, you know, all the Afro styles. Um, you know, Dana Wilson with her background in some of the funk styles and just her storytelling ability. I mean, the team was insane. And then when I met Eddie Torres Jr., 
It was like that piece of the puzzle, you know, and I'll never forget the first meeting that, that we had, you know, he didn't tell me about like who his dad was or like what he's done in the, for the, for the Latin dance scene. You know, he was like, okay, listen, to understand the dance, you have to understand the music and you have to understand where it comes from, you know, and it's, it's, this, we're talking the slave trade, you know, and the triangular slave, slave trade. And he breaks it down for me in a way that's like, oh, when you know where it comes from, then you know how important it is. And, and you know, the meaning behind the moves. It's not just a dance. Step. These aren't just dance steps. This stuff was born out of oppression, out of years and years of, and, and has developed over the time. And then you start to understand like, oh, mambo, you know, when you start looking at the, the footwork from it, you know, which came from the styles back in Cuba. And then now you, but now you're looking at breaking and you've been working with breaking for so long. You're like, oh, it comes from mambo, you know, because the kids are watching their parents dance and now they kind of adapted, but like we want so you just get this incredible rich history, and if you ignore it, I feel like you do a huge disservice to dance, and it breaks my heart. So I've, I've, it's been a mission of mine to just make sure I have those conversations, I get educated um, to the best of my ability, because um, I think it shows. I, you know, I hope it shows. It definitely shows, and thank you so much for stopping and sharing all this. I, I was like, I have to talk to him because I, I just so resonated with what you said about all of that. I know you're nominated for something else here or for a different movie, but it, it really spoke to me because it's just it shows how much you care about the work and how much you care about the representation of these dance styles that have been either misrepresented or just have been forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for stopping me. I felt the energy. Uh, we are connected. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great. <laughs>